testing one, two, three. Am I making this pop? Is it suspiciously poppy, popular in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's poppy enough. Wonderful. Yeah. If that sounds good, then we can get cracking. Are you recording? Should we go? Yeah, go. We're recording. It's urology. It's not rocket science. It's not even brain surgery. I can't believe the radiologist missed that. It stood out like dogs. You've got to have a sense of humour when you look at genitals, really. Bend over and assume the position. Bladder, most beautiful organ in the body. Talking urology with Dr. Joseph Iskia and Dr. Nathan Lorenchuk. A podcast series supported by Ipsen. I'm Joseph Iskia. And I'm Nathan Lorenchuk. And we're Talking Urology, where we go to the source and chat to the world opinion leaders about their landmark papers. Today we're talking to Hein van Poppel about his landmark partial versus radical nephrectomy paper. But we've also got some other great podcasts coming up. So stay tuned for Montorsi, Talking Penile Rehab, Neil Fleshner Redeem, Stephen Borgian, The Small Renal Mass, and Maurizio Browsi on short-term versus long-term maintenance BCG for non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. Today we'll be tackling the randomised EORTC intergroup phase 3 study comparing the oncologic outcome of elective nephron-sparing surgery and radical nephrectomy for low-stage renal cell carcinoma. The trial was published in European Urology in 2011, so let's bring Hein into the discussion. I'm Dr. Hein van Poppel. I'm a urological surgeon. I'm confined actually to do oncologic urology, so bladders, kidneys, prostate and testicular cancer. And I started doing my first partial nephrectomies around 1980. And I had my first paper published in the BGU at that time, and I think 85, 86. All right, so let's look at why this study was done. The literature suggests that partial nephrectomy provided equal cancer control with improved renal function, that it was safe but admittedly had a slightly higher complication rate. And there was a lot of retrospective data about the improved survival associated with nephron-sparing surgery, and that was thought to be related to the decreased cardiovascular risk. But importantly, there were no prospective trials, and the grave concern regarding selection bias was always at the back of our minds. The idea, the idea of designing that, uh, that trial was actually that I was doing partial nephrectomies, as I said, on a very early stage, even on tumours of 12 centimetres in my first publication. And I wanted to show that at least it was as good as a radical nephrectomy when it comes to oncological outcome. Thus, the aim was to assess both morbidity and cancer control of radical nephrectomy versus partial nephrectomy. The primary endpoint was solid, being overall survival. There were secondary endpoints, of course, disease-specific survival, progression, and surgical side effects. The study was originally designed as a non-inferiority European multi-centre study, initially intended for 310 patients, trying to rule out a difference of 10% in five-year survival from 90% for radical nephrectomy to 80% for partial nephrectomy. The eligibility criteria was straightforward. A solitary renal lesion of less than or equal to 5 centimetres suspicious for renal cell carcinoma, a normal contralateral kidney, and a WHO performance status of 0 to 2. A cruel began in 1992, and 300 patients were entered in the first five and a half years. The study accrual was going very well, but then it was realised that a 10% difference in survival was not realistic. So in 1998 it was redesigned, and with the new design it was thought that only a 3% decrease in 5-year survival, so from 90% for radical to 87% for partial, would be more suitable. This in fact had a hazard ratio for death of 1.3. But of course if you're going to change these factors you need more patients. 
So the study was now powered such that it would require 1,300 patients and 368 deaths. The difficulty was, at the time, there was a major shift going on out there. Partial nephrectomy was becoming the new normal and accrual was dropping. Now that was one of the major problems. I was the, the most accruing centre. Mm-hmm. And while the enthusiasm of um, uh, really randomising patients was very high in the beginning, everybody started doing partial nephrectomies because in the other literature, and not in the randomised trials, it was said that the partial was probably better when it comes to uh, kidney function, to cardiovascular disease and so on. And everybody believed it and did not want their patients with a small tumour to be randomised for a radical because we were convinced that it was worse. So I continued to randomise the patients for the sake of the study, but many other centres stopped. And because it went so slowly in Europe, we went across the ocean and we asked our colleagues from SWOG, we asked people from the University of Southern California, we even asked the Canadians with Laurie Klotz to join. But this had an implication that instead of having an non-inferiority study where we needed 350 patients, we wanted to have an equal result study on partial versus radical, and we then needed 1,300 patients to be randomized. It took about one year and a half before we got this off the ground, and then finally when they should start randomizing, it faded out and the central URTC closed the study prematurely. So to increase numbers, the trial was opened up to North Americans, SWOG and ECOG, American College of Surgeons Oncology Group and the National Cancer Institute of Canada. But January 2003, the study was prematurely closed because of poor accrual. In total, 541 patients were randomised, 527 from the EORTC, 11 patients from Canada through the NCIC, and through the USA, only three patients. So American centres doing over 100 partial nephrectomies a year were just not submitting patients to the trial. And I think it all comes down to what Heinz said, Surgeons were just not prepared to submit patients with small renal tumours that might be randomised to radical nephrectomy. Many, many centres, and I think about the, the major includers in the beginning, like in, in Germany, Mainz, for instance, with Professor Hohenfelder, was the chief at that time. He, they did partial nephrectomies for years already. And then we needed to convince them that they needed to randomise the patients in the trial to finally show uh, on an evidence-based basis that partial and, uh, and radical were equal, and, but they continued to do the partials and not randomising the patients. The primary analysis was based on the intention to treat principle. And this is very important because there was some crossover between the groups, and we'll come back to that in a minute. So as well as the planned non-inferiority test, an unplanned superiority test was also carried out. So we have 541 patients from 45 institutions across 17 countries that were randomised with around 270 in each arm. But there were a lot of exclusions. Four patients for multifocality or other cancers, 136 patients were pathologically ineligible. They either had no renal adenocarcinoma, had PT3 disease or greater, a tumour greater than 5 centimetres, or positive surgical margins. Another thing we're going to look at is this crossover issue. So of the patients randomised to radical nephrectomy, 6% underwent nephron-sparing surgery. In general, this was as a result of the patient's decision. Of the patients randomised to nephron-sparing surgery, 15% underwent radical nephrectomy, and in general, this was a result of pathologic disease characteristics. 
And I think this is one of the problems with these non-blinded surgical studies, and that is that patients or surgeons will choose their own treatment. So this unequal crossover has been one of the criticisms of the paper, and we asked Hine if he was disappointed or concerned about the crossover. This can be expected in a trial like this where you have patients in major centres, and I remember that one surgeon randomised the patient for a, a radical and then another surgeon took the patient on and he saw the small tumour and then said, I'm not going to do a radical for that tumour, and he did it simply a partial although we had an informed consent from the patient to have a radical. So there were local factors. Sometimes also the radical, the, the, the partial seemed to be too difficult for the guy who was doing the case, and he then uh, intraoperatively decided to do a radical nephrectomy. But I think there were no, no other major reasons why there was this uh, high percentage of crossover. Another critique has been that there was a significantly higher rate of other chronic diseases in the nephron-sparing group, compared to the radical nephrectomy group being 13% over 8%. It was close to significance, but didn't achieve it. We asked Hein if he thought that this affected overall survival in favour of radical nephrectomy. I do not believe that this really impacts on it. I, I don't think that this is important. The difference is not statistically significant, and I do not believe that this impacted in favour of radical nephrectomy, I would say. Now remember, this study was done at the end of the century, and they were all performed by open operation. The plural damage rate was almost 10%, and you just don't see this very often laparoscopically. Now, as expected, there was a higher complication rate with the partial nephrectomy arm. There was double the perioperative bleeding of 30% compared with 15% in the radical. And also the urinary leak rate was 4% in the partial group and obviously zero in the radical group. I asked Hein if he thought there would be any differences in the modern laparoscopic era. I don't think so. So let's get to the crux of the paper, the results. The median follow-up was 9.3 years. Serum creatinine appeared better in the nephron-sparing arm at 1.3 versus 1.5 milligrams per deciliter. However, across both groups, there were wide ranges, but none were statistically significant. Of 541 patients, there were 117 deaths. 67 in the nephron-sparing group, 50 in the radical nephrectomy group, only 12, that is 2.2%, died of renal cancer, 8 in the nephron-sparing group and 4 in the radical nephrectomy group. Small numbers and certainly not significant. Cardiovascular disease, interestingly, was the leading cause of death at almost 40%. That is, it is significant cause of death to consider with 25 cardiovascular deaths in the nephron-sparing group and 20 in the radical nephrectomy group. We should take a minute to note that when you look back and remember that this was powered, assuming a 90% five-year survival in the radical nephrectomy group, that they were just about spot on. In the attention to treat analysis, it showed that the 10-year overall survival rates were 76% for partial nephrectomy and 81% for radical nephrectomy. This gave an estimated hazard ratio for death of 1.5. The statistical test for non-inferiority of overall survival is not significant. The p-value is 0.77. However, the unplanned test for superiority is significant with a p-value of 0.03. But then the authors took a quick look at patients who only had confirmed RCC on their final pathology. That is, they excluded clinically and pathologically ineligible patients. Remember, no cancer, PT3+, over 5cm multifocal positive surgical margins. When they did this, the test for superiority is no longer statistically significant. The p-value is 0.07. Close, but no cigar. 
Regarding the secondary endpoint of progression, there were only small numbers who progressed. It was 12 in the nephron sparing group and 9 in the radical group. These were not statistically significant. So knowing all this, what does Hine think of the role of partial nephrectomy today? I think that the conclusion from all the open studies, the retrospective studies and also the prospective ones that have been showing the so-called advantage of the partial over, over the radical has only to do with a biased selection of the patients that were brought to partial nephrectomy. There's a very nice study and meta-analysis done by Capitanio where you look at the difference of the two curves of the partial and the radical nephrectomy patients. If you would believe that partial is indeed better than radical, you should see this effect over time getting bigger and bigger. But if you look at the curves, at the start, they both drop about immediately. And then they go apart, and in the end, it's like a banana, they come together again. So I believe that simply the patients that in all the open studies were subjected to partial nephrectomy were better patients. And because they were better, they had a better survival. And you go then and look for, for what reason, uh, be it cardiovascular or whatever disease. So they live longer than the radical nephrectomy in the open series. But in the only randomized study, this is not shown. Importantly, all the patients in the URTC trial had a normal contralateral kidney. So probably we do not need to do this complex, complicated, and sometimes uh, morbid difficult, oncologically unsafe partial nephrectomies for the T1B tumors when, when the contralateral kidney is normal because it has been shown that kidney function, it has a small drop, but they recover and they remain stable. And in the, the second analysis of the trial by Scosiref and Messing and uh, Richard Sylvester and myself, you see that there is no deleterious effect over time. It exactly remains the same in the partial and in the radical nephrectomy. So I do not believe that radical is worse. And I continue to believe in the randomized trial and not in the others. So did the trial change Hines approach to surgery for the small renal mass? I've done so many partial nephrectomies and I love to do the surgery. I, I love to do difficult partial nephrectomies. Even when it is not needed uh, in the presence of a normal contralateral kidney, I, I still do partial nephrectomies. And why is that? Because in, in the reference center we are, you get cases referred with solitary kidneys, with bilateral tumors. And you can gain experience. I've gained enormous experience by doing maybe superfluous, not, not really necessary partial nephrectomies in, in very difficult situations. And now I feel happy to do partial nephrectomies on, on tumors of 15 centimeters and, and reconstruct the kidney cell. So that's probably the only advantage for the surgeon. Doing this in elective cases is that he's is got acquainted and, and get the experience to do this when it's really needed in the imperative cases. So maybe that explains it. In retrospective studies, you were more likely to do a radical nephrectomy in less healthy and older patients who were more likely to also have cardiovascular disease rather than nephron sparing surgery preventing cardiovascular disease. Also note, the present study was not designed to test the hypothesis of reduced cardiovascular events with nephron sparing surgery. Okay, so let's take a look at the limitations. Firstly, and most obviously, this study was underpowered because it failed to accrue. And there are concerns that there is a selection bias associated with this. 
So patients that really needed to be randomised to partial versus radical that had the small tumour may not have been submitted to the trial because surgeons thought they would just do a lot better with a partial. Another thing to consider is that there was significant crossover between the randomised arms. This may have contributed to some issues with differences in morbidities between the groups. It's also been suggested that this study was not powered to detect differences in chronic kidney disease and cardiovascular events, which is really one of the key factors we were interested in. Also, there was central pathology in only 49% of patients. Other critiques are focused on the fact that serum creatinine was used rather than estimated glomerular filtration rate for assessment of renal impairment. And finally, this study is really from the 1990s, and we have to ask, is it still applicable in a modern cohort of patients with stage migration from increased incidental detection with modern imaging? Of course, we had to ask Hein, if he did the trial again, what would he do differently? The thing I would do differently is I would go to the T1B and the T1A tumours, and not to the 5 centimetre cutoff. That's the first thing. And then secondly, I would not include only patients with a normal contralateral kidney. Nephron sparing surgery is important in CKD2 and CKD3 patients. CKD4, it doesn't matter. Even if you operate on a bad kidney, you take the kidney out and do a partial. They do not do much worse. They, they do badly already. But it's the, the 2 and 3, that's the category where, where you need to do partial nephrectomies and not taking the kidney out. So we would probably stratify much stronger and say, okay, this is a group of patients with the normal the kidney function. This is patients that have CKD, one, CKD2, and those then should be randomised for partial or for radical. So do you think we need another trial, as you suggested, to answer this question, or do we have enough information? I'm a bit fed up with trials, I can tell you. I've done three major trials in my life. The first trial was comparing uh, high-risk renal uh, cell cancer patients with uh, no post-operative treatment or adjuvant treatment with interleukin, interferon, and 5-FU. It turned out to be a negative trial. The second trial was the BOLA trial. After radical prostatectomy in high-risk positive surgical margins, T3A and B, to give immediate post-operative radiotherapy or not give it. There is a biochemical progression-free survival benefit, but there is no overall survival benefit. It's actually, that's a negative trial. And now we know today that early salvage is probably as good as, as immediate uh, adjuvant. So we didn't have to do the trial either. And to show that partial nephrectomy is as good as radical nephrectomy, everybody does it. The only evidence says that actually it's not needed, but everybody does it. So it didn't help. And another randomized trial is not going to change that. We are not going to do randomized trials for radiofrequency ablation. We do not do randomized trials for robot surgery. This is now not the way how Surgery makes progress. Surgery makes progress because there's experts that do a different thing in a different way that everybody accepts is good to do. So what is Heinz's take-home message? In the beginning, I, I could not believe it because I, I designed the trial to show that partial was, was at least as good and probably better than, than the radical, which I couldn't. And in the beginning, I didn't believe it. And I presented the trial the first time to the Jew surgeons, the Academic Association of Jew Surgeons. And in the end, I got the question, so what do you do now? I said, I continue to do partials. That's very strange because the evidence uh, points towards another politic. And uh, I, will, I will continue to say that uh, all the advantages shown by the open studies is the selection of patients, the selection bias. Uh, if you have a normal contralateral kidney and you have an easy tumour on the left side, why would we as urologists take the kidney out? You do a proper 
partial nephrectomy, no complications, not too much pain, no open surgery, you can do it in a minimal invasive way, and the patient will do well. If you have a complicated tumor, that's different. If it's a complex tumor, invasion of the, of the pelvic system, maybe invasion of segmental veins, sometimes a thrombus, you can do it. You can all do it because in imperative cases you do the same. But I think that there, the normal urologist who is not doing high volumes of partial nephrectomies, he should just do a simple laparoscopic radical nephrectomy, which is not morbid at all, and the patient will not suffer chronic kidney disease unless at the beginning he was CKD2 or 3. So with a normal contralateral kidney, my advice would be, do the safe thing, take the kidney out. So there you have it. When you're sitting in your next MDM, looking at a small renal mass in a kidney, quote the guidelines, do a partial. But if it's too hard and they have normal renal function and a normal contralateral kidney, quote the literature, do a radical. It's simple. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Hein van Poppel for his insight and comments. Any feedback may be returned to talkingurology at gmail.com and look out for our upcoming podcasts. Thanks for listening. This has been Talking Urology with Dr. Joseph Iskia and Dr. Nathan Lorenchuk, a podcast series supported by Ipsen.